Alright, ready? Okay, cool. Hola, como estas? Welcome to another episode of Tequila High Club. Today is another great episode because I've got another very good friend of mine on the show. Also, I am tasting a tequila I have never heard of and I have never tasted, which kind of makes sense because I've never heard of it. So on today's show, we are going to hear from one of my very good friends on her journey from a nightclub scene in a small city, kind of, because it's Perth in Australia, to building a clinic in London and the journey along that way, because it's not an easy feat. And also, we're going to be tasting this new Reposada tequila. The company's been around for about 20 years, so I'm very excited to get involved with that. So, further ado, welcome, <laughs> my bestie, Zilla. How are you? Hello. I'm good. You're good? I'm hungover, but... Yeah, I know you guys had a bit of a crazy, crazy day yesterday on the desk Yeah, it's been... It's been... It's been... <laughs> it's been. <laughs> No, it was good. We had a really good day. Went out boating, jet skiing, had a little jet ski accident. And Tell us what happened, the jet ski accident. Well, I've actually never driven a jet ski first, first of all. So that's probably where I should start. But yeah, we were like hooning around on these jet skis because Cez was like, oh, it's just like driving an ATV. And obviously like, I know how to do that. I went down. And one of the boys was filming and they got water in their goggles, didn't see me and just T-boned me and I flew. But when they came into me, the jet ski kind of went up and drove into my leg. So got a little hobble, got a cripple going on. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, we know what fixes a little bit of pain and some bruises, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you, do you like tequila? I am a tequila girly through and through. Like I'm going to start my day with tequila. Like I'm not. I'm not ending the night with it because I want a shitty shot. I'm starting it. Nice. Right. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure I've done some research on this tequila. Okay. This tequila is. Um, they've got a very nice recipe mm-hmm. that uh, they've been building for about 20 years, uh, and they actually have some cool. As we can kind of see here. Oh, the diamond on the top. Like, yeah. So this is, um, they actually do a collaboration with uh, Schwakowski. Schwakowski, yeah. Yeah, Schwakowski. <laughs> See, it's not my go-to jewellery brand. But they um, they have all their bottles in some sort of way with their crystal. Mm-hmm. And the most expensive one, they have a full crystallized bottle, which oh, is cool. Sick. So they even still add this type of style into like one of these bottles, which is great. So what we're going to do, this is a Reposado. Okay, my fave. Yep. Um, what we're going to do first is we're going to taste and smell. Now, alrighty. Only you can get me doing this. I believe that um, you don't really have a good sense of smell. My either. sense of smell is Dunzo, but I can smell this actually. So just have a sip and see what you sort of taste in it. Oh, it's smoky. Yeah. It's really smoky. It's nice. Now, Reposado always has that kind of smoky feel because in Spanish, uh, Reposado means rested which means they usually rest it as aging in oak barrels. So that's the reason why you always get that kind of woody, spicy feel, and that's the reason why it's always a little bit yellow. And if it's aged for longer, then it just gets more yellow. The color comes out more. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. Yeah. So just have another taste, and let's see what we're kind of, or what else we're tasting. I mean, I don't even know if my taste buds work after the amount of alcohol. When, when I Yesterday. <laughs> When I say some flavors. All right, hit me. So what you smell is 
You smell it, the bit of spices. And it's like a little vanilla to it, a little sweetness. And then when you taste it, it's got kind of like a, a it's got this a little bit of citrus, which is interesting because a lot of reposados always taste real citrusy. My thing was I thought I was with tasting thought I could taste orange, but then you know when something's in front of you and it just yep, playing with your mind, right? You've got an orange shirt on, you've got oranges here, mm-hmm. so now I'm thinking like, oh, it's orange, but I think that's just my mind slow. <laughs> so that is that is a little placebo effect, but what's actually in here? Now, after I say it, so you've got the bit of the citrus, so you're correct, a bit of the orange, but then you have caramelized nuts, so a bit of a caramel oh, wow. to it, and then that plus the vanilla as well. Yeah. So it's, a, it's very nice. subtle. Yeah. So the, this bottle has only been uh, rested, aged mm. uh, for two months in the barrel. And so they use, uh, they what do they use? They use American and French oak battle, barrels. So mixing those two types of woods together. Gives you another flavor as Gives well. Gives you another flavor. That's kind of where like a lot of the vanilla comes from. So that's that's that. If it was aged for a little bit longer, I'm guessing that it would be a lot more stronger. Yeah. No, it's nice. It's actually good. And then the, um, yeah, so like I said before, the company has been around for 20 odd years. They were founded in 1996. Uh, they're in Jalisco in Mexico, which is like the middle, it's where pretty much a lot of the tequila is. Vibes. Um, Look at you going on with a little research. A little bit of research. So, I mean, this is what the show is education. about. Education. Yep, no, I feel like I drink a lot of tequila, but I don't know anything really about like the, the distilling process yeah. or that side of things. So. so distilling as well. So this is double st- distilled. Mm-hmm. So they put it in the barrel, take it out, they put it in again. Um, so that just kind of gives a little more filtering aspect to it, a little bit more purity. Yeah. No. Yeah. A little bit more like body to it. So out of 10 tasting that, what would, what would you give it out of 10? I reckon like a seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay. Nice. Like an eight. Seven and a half, eight. Yeah. Okay. We're around there. We'll see how that goes after we have uh, a couple more drinks. It's good. To, it's like a smooth one to drink. Yeah. But I mean, I love a good tequila. I love a good tequila as well. Mm -hmm. And why the show. Okay, so now we're going to get into the real exciting part. We're going to get into the story about you. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so we're going to take a shot. Mm -hmm. Do my favorite orange. Yeah, you do love orange. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again for coming up. Well, that was a bit more stronger. That was a bit more potent. Oh my god, it's so juicy. <laughs> that orange was lit. That was fresh, eh? Yeah, really good. But that, um, yeah. Juicy, juicy, juicy. Yeah, that- that's a lot stronger with OJ. That with the... With the shot. Oh my brain. Come on, girl. I felt like I, I didn't even, like, before we got to really taste it. This is kind of why I like tequila is... You get the, the levels. Yeah. Like, you know, sure. how, like my dad's, um, you know, over in Bali at the moment. Mm-hmm. He can't drink tequila. Because he had a really bad night. Yeah, he was saying that with the, it was like a not a good tequila and <laughs> yeah. it was cheap. And this is the problem. You go to a nightclub, you get, uh-huh. you get fed shitty tequila. And they you give cancel you, it. Yeah, they give you a lemon and you go, ugh. Horrible. Yeah. So this is, there's a, a real difference when I really want to encourage everyone, if they don't like tequila, then. Doing it wrong so, a lot of the time. Yeah. Having a little taste and just a little bit to let your senses taste the flavor before you start smashing shots. Because mm-hmm. there's so much soul to tequila. So. Now, I'm going to pour my favorite 
I'm gonna love it. Orange juice tequila. I know it. It's so good because it brings out always the citrus. I know. Very, it is very good. delicious. Do you know what actually is my favorite thing to drink with tequila? And I've gotten a few people onto that is um, ginger beer. Ooh. Tequila, ginger beer, and lime is lit. Really? It's so good. Any tequila or like certain tequilas? Well, I only really drink Reposado, so I guess it just really depends on that. I found a really good tequila. I'll try to send it to you. I can't remember what it's called, but it has a beautiful bottle. It's like a mid-range tequila. So smooth. And it makes a great mug. When did you, where did you have it? In Melbourne. Uh-huh. It's interesting as well, like, because every country has, like, different... They have different, like, uh, tequilas that they rep. Yeah. Like, uh, my next episode I'm doing is um, a, a bottle called Contigo, and that's really nice, and that's really pushing hard in... Um, Indonesia, but it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Every, I mean, everywhere's got, like, so you're going to have your standards, Azul's, 1942, yeah. it's like whatever. But not everyone can afford that. But they're high price range. Yes. So that's why this one, I'll find it, I'll send it to you. It's actually really good and it's like very mid range. Awesome. Okay. Cheers. So now on to you, Zilla. What do you want to know? So we've known each other for about 15 years ish. I think so. Yep. Around that. And uh, the first night we met was when I was rocking up into club. It was... Uh, was it Red Sea? It wasn't Red Sea. It was... Clubber. Yeah, it was Clubber. <laughs> I used to work at those two clubs. One was the door girl. Little doll beach vibes. Yeah. And then the other... I think I just did promos at Red Sea. Yeah. Like I was just a little promo girl. Yeah. And that's where I met your friend. And then, yeah, that was fun. And the rest was history. Yeah, that was history. History. I lost, I, lost, I, lost, I lost a friend and kept you, which is sick. So. I know. I got, like, in the divorce. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so okay. So you're um you're 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 in London. Uh, you're moving back to to Australia just to finish off some studying. Yeah. Now this isn't just new studying. No. So give us an idea. Like I really want to jump into because I've known you for a long time. You're very business savvy. You're motivated. When it comes to boss bitches, yeah, you're yeah. probably at the top. Okay. Uh, and you're extremely fun to hang around. Yeah. So. Explain to me, like, what happens, you know, when you're in that night, nightclub scene? Is that, was that always, you know, did you feel that you wanted to get into the cosmetic clinic industry back then? Or was this kind of a journey leading up to it? 100% a journey. When I was, when we met, I had just finished doing an exchange to Belgium. I was living over there for a year. And I mean, you all know all of this, but. I was actually studying to finish off my uh, Bachelor of Early Childhood Education. So I was a teacher for a little bit there. And I was teaching newborns essentially all the way through to I think seven, eight-year-olds. Mainly I was in year one. Kindergarten was kind of like my jam. And I just, there was a lot of issues with the schooling systems and how they don't report a lot of things and they expect you to turn a blind eye to it. And I just don't like fuck with it. As in, as in what were they? What were I was they in like a really like high socioeconomic school. We would take trips to like Switzerland, teach the kids about the snow. And obviously because the school had a lot of money, like private schooling, you can do that. Mm. And then I had an opportunity to go and do a low socioeconomic school. And it was don't teach the kids about seasons. They'll never see snow. They don't need to know about it. It was kids having cigarette burns up and down their back from their parents and the principal saying, well, welcome to this area. It is what it is. I had a 13-year-old in with my kindergarten kids because they didn't have the money to have AIDS 
in to be able to teach the kid in the proper year group. So there was a lot of that sort of stuff that kind of was going on. So I went out of teaching and I went into psychology. It's a lot of reading and I'm dyslexic. So that was pretty quick out the window. <laughs> um, and I fell into event management, which moved me over to Melbourne because I got into this. It was actually a, a school from London that had opened in Melbourne and they did, it was like marketing, social media and PR management. And instead of doing the course and you'd read the coursework and you'd get like a scenario and you'd have to work out the situation, blah, 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 blah. Our first client was Coca-Cola and like the clients and your contacts that you made in this short course were like two, three years worth of being in the real world. Um, and they only took on 20 students a year. So it was really hard to get into. I applied thinking like, mm, fuck it, what's the worst that could happen? Got in, did that. And then was meant to be in Melbourne for eight months. I ended up being there this year. I've just clocked 10 years. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go. Melbourne is like home for me. And then, yeah, I fell into event management, marketing, ended up quitting that because you just end up dealing with a lot of high-end celebrities, a lot of big budgets, and it's fun, but you don't have any time off. I was working seven days a week. I was burnt out. I was anxious. I quit, went traveling for eight months. Then I fell into influencing in the cosmetics and beauty kind of area, then ended up doing a whole bunch of firsts in the industry in Australia especially when it came to cosmetic and plastic surgeries. I was doing a lot of marketing both in front of and behind the scenes, which I think a lot of people don't really know that I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff for marketing for a lot of big companies. Um, and from that, I kind of got a, a How does lot. that differ from well, like the front and the back? Because, I mean, you've got to do, I think the back, you've got to do deal with a lot of bullshit, yeah, right? Yeah. So what sure. does that bullshit kind of look like? You're dealing with, I know every single influencer and every single Hang thing they've had sex. done. Ricky. Can you type fucking quieter, bro? It's so unbelievable voice. Yeah. Keep that in as well. This is like this is like the Jamie of Joe Rogan. <laughs> Thanks, Ricky. <laughs> Continue about the bullshit. <laughs> um, no, I think like what people don't realize is I was working as a marketing manager for some of these big companies I was working for. So I would know every single influencer, every single thing that they'd had done, whether it be filler, whether it be lipo whether it be botox whatever it was i would see their files i would do their photos i'd go into theater i would scrub in and watch the, the surgeries so you kind of get a lot of knowledge from that whereas when i was doing it from the influencer standpoint i'm having my like my bbl i had that live streamed i hadn't really done that mm -hmm. here now it's a big no-no and i can fully respect and understand why because there's been so many bad things that have been happening in the industry lately yeah. which is another reason why i've stepped away from um promoting those kinds of clinics i've not been doing that for a while now because once you see the inside of it and how money hungry people get it does not end well so yeah. kind of took a step back from doing that but i was making a lot of money for those businesses some of my clients were making a over a million dollars a year in referrals from from my instagram alone well wow. um so kind of started seeing that side of things mm -hmm. and said, why am I making this money for everybody else? Exactly. Let me, let me go put some of this in my pocket. So I got all of my requirements to do my Bachelor of Nursing and I started doing Before that. Before you get into that, because mm. that's important that people don't understand. Cool, you've got the nine to five and yeah. everyone like goes, oh, you're just like making the boss rich. And I said, yeah. yeah, that's sure. But that's, you're also part of a business, right? Of course. Yeah. You're a clog in the machine. Like, that's how it well, works. Well, what's the switch? What's like, because that takes a lot of effort to go, okay, well, how do I 
reconstruct that entire thing and, and bring it into my own. What's the what's the thought process behind that? I think with a lot of things that I've realized from being in this industry for what coming up eight years now, I see a lot of doctors, I see a lot of surgeons who my value in these clinics was that I'd had experience as a patient and now mm-hmm. as a qual- like qualified injector um, that they didn't have. So a surgeon would come in and say to the patient, okay, well, you know, we're going to do lipo. It's going to feel like this from a textbook. It's going to be a recovery of this from a textbook. And I'd sit with them and go, okay, I know that the doctor has told you this, but from my personal experience, it's actually going to be X, Y, and Z. You're going to experience this for longer. That's not going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like an advisory type of job. And it made people feel more comfortable and more informed because when they're surgeons and they do their job and then they finish their job and they pass you on, I've got girls that have followed up with me two years later, five years later, and I know exactly what they've gone through. I know the procedure. I know what they did to fix their scar tissue. I know what they needed to do to fix X, Y, and Z. Like that's the difference between the two. And a lot of the time the surgeons will get in someone that's in the medical field per se to manage the clinics or they manage it themselves. And it's just too much for you to have on one plate. You have to be able to delegate. And a lot of the time surgeons can't delegate very well. So, well, they can in theatre, but they can't when it comes to business and marketing and, you know, they can't. They feel like they have to do it all and be in control. Yeah, Yeah, it's real controlly. And it's great for surgeon. It's, it's, it's surgery. It's great for them to be like that because you have to be precise and controlled. But mm-hmm. when it comes to business, you can't be like that. You yeah. have to have open mind. Interesting. So, so moving on, so you've, you've gone through, like how did you start the clinic in, in London? I started my Bachelor of Nursing in Melbourne during COVID. So I didn't think I was going to get in because it took me nine months to get into the school. And because I classified mature student mature lady they want all the I'm a lad (laughs) um so I had to yeah it took a lot longer to get in it got to like January I hadn't heard back from the schools as you know schooling starts in like Feb so I was like fuck it I'm gonna go I was actually in Bali Got it. Was in Bali. Is that when I was I saw you last? Uh no I think the time before yeah this was ages ago there was like time before and yeah, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to school this year. So I'd like booked Coachella. I'd booked work in London. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to work this year and fuck school off. Yeah. And then it was like the day before we left to go back to Melbourne, I get the email being like, yeah, you start school in two weeks. And I was like, well, fuck, I've just booked all these trips. Mm-hmm. And obviously then COVID hit. So I wasn't going anywhere. So I focused really hard for the first two years into my studies after COVID, I got really hit hard with being away from my family, living by myself. I mean, everybody is in the, was in the same boat, but Melbourne got hit really hard with the lockdowns. We couldn't go more than two kilometres away from our house for more than an hour a day. Like, it was so strict. There was drones. There was army patrols. It was insane. Yeah, we were seeing, like, it I was, mean, over here, we were seeing, like, 60-year-olds, 65-year-olds, yeah. like, walking their dogs yeah. and getting arrested yeah. by, like, four dudes. Yeah. I'm like, what? No, it was insane. Like, I literally got a move-on notice for getting a coffee. And it was, like, just around the corner from my house. It was mad. Um, it was great for my studies. But by the time I got to my final year, I was just so mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. I was having some issues with a stalker. And so I didn't really want to be at home. I was feeling not safe and I just felt overwhelmed. So I said, fuck it, let's go to London. Packed up all my shit. I didn't tell anybody. I just 
spoke to the school that was over there. They were really well known. They had some really good connects. And for me, it's all about the network. So I didn't want to just go to a school that was like maybe in London that was going to be super just in and out quick and whatever. I went to one that was in Manchester, which was a real headache to get to. Um, but it was four days and I did, I think, three courses there. And everyone bitches and groans that the course is different in London than it is, or like in the UK than it is in Australia. But when I do my Bachelor of Nursing, I'm learning how to be a nurse in a hospital and that's it. They don't teach us anything other than they, that's your expectation, even though nursing has such a broad spectrum. Whereas the course that I do in the UK is purely injectables. I'm learning exactly how to do the products, the placement, how to do it correctly, how to do the right techniques, how to fix it if shit goes wrong. Mm -hmm. They've given us so much more support. They have 24-7 contact. You can call them if you, you know, for God forbid that you botch something, they, you can call them FaceTime at any time and they will talk you through whatever you need to do. Yeah. So they, the support there was really good. Um, they're also quite a big school. They've got a few in the UK and also in Marbella in Spain. So I went over and I did my course with them. The girls loved me. I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> and Come on. To um, And then, yeah, the owners were like, we, we, you can just see how much knowledge you have. So if you ever want to get to the point where you want to teach, let us know. We'd happily have you come and teach here. And I'm thinking, guys, I've actually been injecting for 10 minutes. But it's because I'd had this background of being in marketing and being in events and being an influencer in the cosmetic beauty space in cosmetics and plastics that I could kind of put everything together and run my business. And then when I opened Injector Bay, I was shocked because I Googled it and nothing came up. And I'm thinking, surely, surely someone's got it. It's always like injectables by blah, blah, or like nurse Jackie or whatever. And I just didn't want to have like that kind of business. I wanted a sellable business or a business that I could essentially not be the face of because I'm the face of all my other businesses. Let's talk about that because yeah. that's like, I mean, that's the reason why I started this intro in the episode mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. a boss pitch because so many people think it's about them because uh, uh. they need to build a nope. personal vibe. Nope. But in the long term, how are you going to exit? You can't sell it. You can't uh, get rid of it. You can't, you know, and I've learned that from other women in the industry because I prefer to work with women because we always get I feel like women in particular, we always get like underrated and they don't, people don't expect much from us. And I love that. I love people look at my Instagram and go, oh, she's just another Instagram thought. Oh, she's just a pretty girl. And I'm like, mm -mm, I have four bachelor degrees. I'm smart as fuck. And you're going to now learn from me and pay me to learn from me. Because when I was starting my business 10 years ago, everyone was laughing at me for making flower crowns for events. I thought that was... And I know you. How I saw the vision. How did we not get saw the we vision? We totally missed that. Let's backtrack to that because I know, that was really a vibes very vibes. fucking cool business. That was a long time ago. That was, yeah, that was vibes. I did a lot of firsts with that. So, 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 so I remember when you told me you're like, I'm doing this flower business yeah. and then it like, it took off quite quickly quick. in, it in, was in Melbourne, quick. right? It was in Perth actually. It was in Perth. And, and, and then I went over to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so it yeah, was just like crowns, flowers. Flower crowns. What would they use it for? Festivals. Yeah. Like uh, flower girls, mm -hmm. bridals, parties. I think back then it was just like the vibes were flower crowns. That was just the thing. Yeah. But no one was doing them like realistic. They were real fake looking flowers. Plastic stuff. Yeah. And you were doing real. I cool. was doing like, it, I never did live flowers. I just found really good synthetic flowers. Mm -hmm. 
which people loved because I knew from when my mum got married, she kept all her flowers and she got them dried. Uh, and I was seeing a lot of trends with that. So I thought, fuck it. Why can't we do this in a way that you can just keep it and you don't have to have some like crumbly, shitty old flower that's like falling apart. Got you. So did that and then took off, was in a few magazines, got a few magazine covers and that spiraled. And then I did a runway in the prison, the Fremantle prison. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> And they hadn't done more like fashion events. Uh, FYI, this isn't actually like, a, like, live like a live prison. prison. This is, it was like a this is an old colonial prison in yeah, Fremantle yeah, yeah. in, in it's Australia. It's like a museum now. Yeah, everyone you can like go under tunnels and shit. It's know? cool. It's sick. Sick for events. Yeah, but they weren't really doing. They were doing events there, but it was more like it wasn't. It, they weren't doing runways. So I got this the prison cell block and I lined it the whole way up with chairs. We had about 150, 200 guests. Put the DJs upstairs in the upstairs cell. And I had the girls just walk down in like exquisite hook couture designs that were up and coming fashion designers and up and coming models that had had pretty much no experience. And now they're some of, it's crazy. Some of these girls, they're like big models. Mm-hmm. They're working around the world. A few of the girls, like we obviously keep, still keep in contact with them. And some of the, the designers have been in New York Fashion Week. Like it's just been crazy. And this was all at the start of their career. So, yeah, that was just another little, I don't know, fun little thing. There's been lots of fun little things along the way. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. I think that's your, I think you can be a very big inspiration and like a role model to like a lot of women. I mean, in my opinion, I like to work with women because uh, pretty much most of the companies should be run by women because yeah. they're very organized. Oh, boy. And also how to, and I, I've learned about this, like doing business is, it's very emotional. Usually, you yeah. know, back in the day, I'm very straight to the point. I really give a shit about like your feelings. It's just like, to me, I think that's, you know, the best way to go. Like, you know, just straightforward, it is, straight to the is. point, but yeah. it's not because there's also guys who are little snowflakes. Some guys, uh, you know, just have a little emotions and that's yeah. totally fine. Yeah. And that is, you know, me learning in the last couple of years of business I mean, if I could have been like your type of style and you understanding everyone, yeah. I think I would be way ahead. <laughs> but babes, it comes from the trauma. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> the trauma builds builds good business. <laughs> no, I do see that though in you and how you run businesses now is obviously so different to how you used to be. So I know, I see we've known each other a long time. I've seen you have so many different businesses over the years. So you know, you've got that good work work ethic. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, I can see that a softer side of you, especially now. It's like the longer my hair, the softer I get. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You are a big softie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's important. You have to have, like, women are so organized in business and being in, like, a medical field, it's mainly men. I connect with, one of the first people that I connected with was Dr. Naomi and she really helped me a lot and she guided me a lot and it was such a full circle moment because when I did my course in the UK... My, the reason that I got so big on social media was because it was around the era, the era of um, Kybella, which is a fat dissolver that you could put under the chin, little parts of the body. Back then, it wasn't really big anywhere. And we did it. We posted it. This is like eight years ago, nine years ago. Posted it overnight, two million views. Back then, huge. And my photos were everywhere. And when you Google Kybella, it was Khloe Kardashian and me. And that was it. Wow. So I was getting like inundated with all of these people asking me like, what are the side effects? Like, was it really like this? Did it hurt? Because, you know, they're all like, hee hee, I got Kybella and yeah. not telling you actually 
that there's no anesthetic in it back then, that it hurts like fuck and you're going to swell up like a bullfrog and like you have to keep doing this over and over and over again for every eight weeks for like a year. Like they don't talk about that. They just say, I used Kite Pillow. It was great. Um, that nice? Yeah, it was so nice. Um, but yeah, when Dr. Onomi and I, we, we really bonded over that and she was the first clinic that really took me seriously. And when I got over to the UK and I'm looking through my learning manual, lo and behold, whose photos are in the, the learning manual? Yourself. It was me. Wow. <laughs> so I messaged her and I was like, oh my God, this is such a like full circle moment. And yeah, here we are. That's awesome. She's actually opening a cannabis, um, it's in like a, in, in Sydney. She's changing her whole branding from pinks to greens. We literally just had a big chat about this a couple of days ago. Because cannabis just got it's pretty much legalized. Medical, yeah. medically yeah. legalized. Same She's, with mushrooms, right? Yeah, and, and MDA. MDA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can all do little... Only when you had that 15 years ago. Oh. I mean, yeah, mental health, great. Woo! <laughs> so uh, let's, let's, let me ask you a question about uh, cosmetics. And mm-hmm. if, it, if, a, if a girl, woman, whatever... Uh, whatever age, uh, has never done it before, mm-hmm. but they're kind of maybe feeling that they need to get it. Mm-hmm. Like I got someone messaged me today. They're like, I'm going to get, I want to get rhino, um, rhinoplasty. Plasty. I was like, one, you don't need it. Two, why? So what's some advice that you would give to someone who has never done it before, but feels they need to do it? Like, is there, what? give us the pros and cons. I mean, there's a lot of, it's very different, and this is a big difference that I'm facing at the moment between the, the different countries' regulations when it comes to the UK at Australia, because my qualification obviously is valid in the UK, but I can't transfer that to Australia. So until I finish my bachelor's degree, it's I'm not qualified. Is that frustrating? It's really annoying because I'm not learning anything about cosmetics in a bachelor of nursing. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit about it. They don't want to. They want me to do another course after I finish my bachelor of nursing, and it's like another ten grand. And it's shadow work. So you're not even really getting to be hands-on. And I'm, uh, in my point of view, I do think that that's why there is so many bad injectors in Australia and there is a lot of work that's going wrong. I know the APRA, which is like the board that looks after all of the, uh, it's like the TGA basically, they kind of look after the cosmetics, beauty, medical industry. Um, they're having a massive crackdown with the legalities, especially with social media influencers, cosmetics, blah, 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 blah. You actually can't post emojis anymore. You have to have your comments turned off. You cannot post anything that's like, wow, this is going to be a face slimming. You have to really stick to the facts. We're not allowed to post clients anymore. We have to only post medical before and afters. And it really makes it hard for you to connect with your audience. I can't show if I was to do, say, I don't know. We, so you have to turn your comment off, off completely. We can't like we can't engage. We can respond in DMs, but we, we, it's it's so different in Australia than it is in the UK. The UK is very like they're having crackdowns as well because they do have a lot of people that need more training, and I get that and respect that completely. But it makes it really hard for you to grow a business when you're not able to even engage with your audience. Um, and have I'll you be, ever thought about? this interesting yeah anything popped into my head go on then what if you create a third party social media channel right you know how like there's let's say like all the money entrepreneur like kind of type of shit they just reshare basically repost videos what if you created something like that like 
cosmetic um, cosmetic love or something like that, and you reposted all your shit on yeah. that, but it's not affiliated, then all the comments go in, and <laughs> then you go into the comment and be like, hey. Nope. They're so onto it. Like, it's actually a joke. I haven't set my um, socials up for Australia yet. I'm, my Instagram for my cosmetics is purely for the UK. And we are allowed to use hashtags. We're allowed to comment. We're allowed to do... Like, if I do someone's lips, I can take a clinical before and after of their lips. I'm allowed to post that in Australia. If I get a client that tags me and wants, like, you know, to show off the fact that I did their lips on a night out and they've got their makeup on and whatever, and it just looks so much better mm-hmm. because you can see the full picture and clinical photos suck. They're horrible They're like- lighting. They're freshly done. And, like, we can see how it's meant to look, but, like... Someone that doesn't know what they're looking for is like, what the hell is this? Um, I can't reshare that. I can't post it. I can't, like, they can tag me and that's as far as I can go. So is this episode going to get blocked in Australia? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> We're allowed to talk about it, but we just have to be very, very, like, yeah. aware. And it's because they want people to have psychological testing prior to having something like a rhinoplasty. Wow. And yeah, okay. they're wanting to just make sure that you're really mentally and physically prepared for things before going and making these big life changes, which yes, I do agree with. I researched for four years before I got my BBL done and I still had to get it all corrected and all fixed because I didn't pick the best surgeon. So what is, I mean, so, well, yeah, what is, what does someone do to then go research? Like what do they need to see or what do they, where do they need to go research yeah. before they go, cool, I want to get injected with Botox. Yeah. I wanted to get my face like, you know, needled yeah. up, like whatever it is. What, where should they go? What should I think they th- this is a part of this whole new thing that they're doing with Apra is they're trying to, um, all the posts have to be like, you now have to have like your Apra registration and your board certification in your bio of your Instagram mm-hmm. so that people could look you up and see, okay, this surgeon's had X, Y, Z deaths or this many necrosis or whatever has happened. Is that, that's it's a public record? Public records. Wow. So they're trying to encourage that because there has been so much shit. They're calling them the cosmetic cowboys because there's just been no regulation around. That it. is insane. How you yeah. can like you even for cosmetic, you go how many deaths has yeah. this? No, it's nuts. Like it's crazy. The people die. Yeah. Like really? Yeah, because like, I never hear about. No, you don't. And this is exactly why. Is it because it. it's such a big industry? I think you when you me you and Sarah were talking to my dad. Um, you're saying like it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. yeah. Injectables and cosmetics and plastics are multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. And that's literally like, it's just insane the amount of money you can make. To put it into perspective, if I was to work in a hospital in as a nurse, just in any, if I was in oncology, whatever, obviously the rates vary slightly, but you're making roughly 200 to $300 a day. That's a standard rate for what, eight to 12 hours shift. Mm-hmm. If I do one day of cosmetic injecting, I can make 15 grand. It, there's no comparison. Wow. I would not waste my time working in a hospital. It's not because I don't care about people. It's not because I don't love doing it. Anyone that does nursing or teaching, you're a very compassionate person. You're very patient. I can be, but always. I, like, think, I, think, I think the answer is you're a boss bitch. But that's the thing. In my mind, why would I do this grueling hard work when I do my placements, when I've worked in hospitals? I cry every day because it's so soul-destroying and you're getting not much out of it. Whereas I love coming in and I've got a mum who's had kids and she wants to feel better about herself and she wants like a little mini facelift but she doesn't want to spend thousands of dollars getting her face cut open and having this recovery and I can do her a facelift in an hour 
and she walks out of there feeling like a million bucks. That's what makes me happy. And it has a better price tag. So, you know, yeah. a win's a win. And it's crazy because, yeah, there are a lot of risks. I really love doing noses on people. I can do a liquid rhinoplasty, which is the same as I always recommend doing a liquid rhinoplasty before getting a rhinoplasty. Explain what that is. What okay, is that? so a nose job, obviously, you're going in medically. And so medically mean like you're chopping they're gonna the They're going to go into the bone. They're going to shave it. <laughs> the thing with your nose is it really changes the shape of your face. When you get the shaving down, you're getting your nostrils tucked in, you get your tip of your nose up, whatever. It's a big procedure. It's a long recovery. You actually won't see your results fully without swelling. One to two years it takes for the swelling to go down. Doctors will do, they'll say a year. It's two years. Yeah. It's a lot longer because your face changes, your bone structure changes, you age, things move around. That's just how it works. I like doing liquid rhinoplasty so I can do the same procedure with filler. Not to the same extent, obviously, depending on the nose, but it's also very dangerous because you have a lot of arteries that go through the... Through the do I want to put the needle in because it might... So what can happen is if you put the filler in the wrong spot, essentially, it can cause necrosis. So necrosis is when you have like a death of the tissue. So if I put the filler in the wrong spot and it blocks the artery and I don't catch that quick enough, your nose will start to die, turn black and fall off. So you look like the guy from Harry Potter. Yes. Voldemort. And that's why a lot of injectors don't want to do it because it is quite dangerous. But if you're doing the proper safety checks and the proper... That just Technique. gave me the biggest fucking even. It's so funny because like I'll watch like a tummy tuck. I'll watch someone's stomach flip over their head. Like I love Dude, it. See, I can't look at any of that, bro. I can't watch a no nose job though. Like it makes the tapping sound. Uh, no. But um, when I'm doing filler, I'm concentrating so hard on the placement, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, what their face looks like. And I'm molding their face into a way that I can, you know, see what they like. I'm also really big on not telling people what they need getting, like what they need. I will never tell you, oh, you need, you know, you could do this, 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 and this. No, nah. because I've been to so many doctors that have said to me, oh, your face is fucked. We're going to dissolve everything. We're going to start from scratch and I'm going to refill you. Yeah. And I'm just like, you're doing that for money. And I'm not ever going to advertise you because you haven't taken me into consideration. You've just come in here and looked at the bag and gone, yeah. this is how much money I can make off of you. Every time I've gone into like a doctor's yeah. surgery for that, I've just been like, look, I think I need to get this done. They're yeah, like, they'll tell you seven other things that you've never even thought about. No, like for me, they're like, look, you're kind of perfect. Oh, not the perfect. <laughs> he said, don't even worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, I get that too. I get, you're really symmetrical. I'm like. You are symmetrical. I know. Bad. I know. I'm literally the same on both sides. Every Do you know who you remind me of? Go on then. Like. In, in a symmetrical way, Thomas the Tank Engine, because his face is so Rounds. symmetrical. No, not round. Uh, it's symmetrical. <laughs> <laughs> symmetrical. Because when you look at his face, it's symmetrical. That's the worst description. Yeah, that was honestly shocking. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Asshole. <laughs> uh, no, it's true though. Like, I... You can really give someone an insecurity really far. Now all I can see is your symmetrical face and it's like, Perfect. I can't focus on anything else. Mm, mm, Even your mm. ears are like no, the I know. perfect size. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's who you want to get injected by, right? And that's how you network. <laughs> cool. This episode has been fantastic. Thank you for watching. <laughs> oh my God. No, but like, I find that like, you, I can give someone an insecurity. I can be like, oh babe, have you thought about doing X, Y, Z? I will never do that to somebody because I've been in that position where 
the injectors wanted to upsell something and it's just solely to make money. Yeah. It's not actually caring about what the person needs. They do it a lot in older patients because they want to get everything fixed. Yeah. The thing is, is once you turn 26 is when you start losing collagen in your face and your face starts to drop. So that is really the time you should be starting to look at getting a little bit of cheek filler to lift you back up or So how long is the cheek filler, because like, you have to get it, it doesn't last like forever. Yeah. Is it every six months? Is it two months, a year? Um, so if you book in, I can give you a consultation. Uh, yeah, no, um, filler lasts, it varies depending on where you're putting it. So your body breaks things down. You're a dick. <laughs> she did say it. She said it to me. I just said that on the <laughs> That's the first time I've ever said that. <laughs> That's what happens when you get your besties around. It only, took, it only took five episodes. <laughs> he said, I'm loosey-goosey now. Say it. Say it. No. Well, let's move on. So let's go on to, so that makes sense. Uh, now, from a business point of view. Yeah. What does, what does someone really need to think about if they are? Because, I mean, you've done a lot of things, right? I been a guinea pig for it all. Yeah, and it's like you've you've had successes. Mm -hmm. Now you know you're at uh, how old are you now? Thirty one. You'd never ask a woman how old she is. I am twenty one at heart. Twenty one. You're twenty one. <laughs> so you've been twenty one and you've had. I've been twenty one for ten years. <laughs> no, so, thirty two. I'm almost thirty three. Yeah. So so that. Yeah. So, at, I mean, at this age, you see people lose faith, you know, when they hit 30, they think, yeah. oh, that's it, It's right? it, and it's over the hill, I'm done, I'm whatever. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, so how, and I mean, you have, it's not like as if you've gone like, okay, cool, here's a new business, cool, I'm going to do a new business. Mm -hmm. You've had to go from like teaching to psychiatry to, uh, you know, this, uh, the, what's it called, um, cosmetic, all of that. And that's a lot of study. Mm -hmm. And people cry about having four years and then being in debt and stuff like that. Yeah. How do you become like an entrepreneur? I hate the word entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I hate it too because it. I'm just like, become, I read it as a militia. How do you become a business builder mm. going through all the shit? Because it's not, yeah, it's not it's an not easy, easy thing. It's like, I mean, like, uh, easy thing. For my, my example, like me doing an apprenticeship, right? I do an apprenticeship, mm -hmm. work another year, then I start my company, right? And I did that. Yeah. Now, I've done that four years, getting paid all the time, but this is the opposite. You've done a number of things. What advice would you have for a girl, a woman, a lady, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who's over 30 years, who thinks, okay, well, this is it. I'm just going to yeah. be stuck in this shitty nine to five job. What advice would you give them to be, hey, either think about something that matters to you or, which you did, realize that you don't like what you're doing? Mm. Now, is it kind of something like where... Do you feel you've always felt like you don't want to be trapped or are you just always open to opportunities or is, do you just kind of see opportunities and go, look, fuck it, I'm going to try and figure that out? I'm really not a planner. Like I'm very organized. Sarah will say I'm good at logistics. Mm -hmm. I'm good with the information I see and I know how to ba 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 ba. But I'm not here sitting in my five-year plan, blah, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I don't work like that. I really, and I've always been like that up until I started Injector Bay. Injector Bay has been the only career that I've really gone, okay, in 10 years, I want to do X, Y, Z with it. Mm. Because I found that I've put all the things that I learned in my 20s together and I've kind of fallen more into myself. I know who I am now. I know what path I want to go on. I know how I want to run my business. I'm really good at marketing. I have these amazing connects from A-listers to Z-listers, like, you know, 
the whole way through um, from working in all these different industries. Had I not done that, I wouldn't be where I am. Mm -hmm. And I think people get stuck in this trend of you have to pick something and it has to be what you stay in for the rest of your life. And I really have a lot of respect for Gen Z's because they don't put up with shit. If if something's not working for them, here's my one minute's notice, I'm done, I'm out. Yeah. I've always been like that and I've got looked down upon when I'd go for jobs and they'd look at my CV and they'd be like, oh, you've moved around a lot. And I'm like, yeah, well, I got what I needed out of it and I left. I wasn't going to stay around to like get more than I needed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time that's opened doors for me where I've had jobs created for me or I've had companies try to come and poach me. And I've always just stayed true to the fact that like, if it's not serving me, I'll move on. And I think that is the biggest piece of advice you can take. My mum is a great example of that. She did seven years doing her accounting degree. And I think she was one semester off of finishing her qualification. She fucked it off and did fashion design. She was one of Australia's biggest leather fashion designers. <laughs> Had she not taken that risk, it would have not gone down that path. She worked for Vogue. That's like, crazy. So I have my grandma who's very classical, housewife. She was a receptionist. She was every single job I've had, she's disapproved of, except for nursing. And even nursing, she's like, I would I would hate to have you as my nurse because your bed ma- bedside manner would suck. I'm like, I'm not an asshole to my patients. Just you guys. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Deep friend. You guys don't pay me. So I want to rewind yeah. on that answer because you said one thing, I think this is the most important thing because mm-hmm. then you started rambling on a couple other things. I do I ramble a lot. But the, the <laughs> rambling, like as you kept on going on. Oh, it gives you little ideas, right? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people, when I think about, you know, if you're past 30, you don't have that. You don't have the networks yeah. and the, you know, A-list celebrities. And but like you that. don't need to be an age for that. You could literally be 50 and restart your life. But here's what I'm getting at is you said you knew who you were. Yeah. And I feel 30, in the 20s, you kind of get this picture of who you're going to be because you either go, you know, apprenticeship, yeah. uni, or just working nine to five and you kind of like, and you get married, you have kids, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when you hit 30, you're thinking that my life is over. Most people think when you hit 30, to be like my 30s are sick. Yeah. My 30s, are, I'm 35, 36 yeah. next month. Like, dude, life is good. 30s are great. Everyone but, is like funny about 30, but 30s is fab. Yeah. Wow, that was cringe. I always, quote. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, so, I mean, I look at your 20s. 20s just go fuck around. Like, figure out who you are. That's like the most important thing because people. Who do not like their life, whether you're thir- in your 30s or even 20s, your 40s, 50s, 60s. Whatever. You know, it always comes down to, do you love who you are? Yeah. Have you figured it out who you are? What matters to you? It doesn't have to be about money or holidays or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. if, what, do you, what do you like to do? When you wake up, what do you like to do? Who are you as a person? Like, yeah. what emotionally attracts you to another person? What emotion- emotionally charges you? to do something and people get stuck in this route. So do you believe that people in their 30s, like women, because we're talking about this, mm-hmm. you know, do they feel like they kind of like lose and they put themselves second, which is probably in third or fourth yeah. and fifth and sixth? Yeah, for sure. How, how does someone find themselves, do you think? How does someone really understand who they should be? What you know, It's kind of hard because you've always yeah. known this, right? Not so much that I've always known. I think like... I've always known who I am as a person. I'm very, I don't know, you either love me or hate me. There's like no middle ground because I'm very, I know with myself, I'm very abrupt. I'll say it how it is. Whether you like it or not, you're going to hear it. But what I say to you is exactly what I'll say to you. Like there's, 
Yeah. There's no bullshit in here. Like I just say how it is, whatever. So Uh you're saying kind of like, not, I mean, not everyone can say it how it no, is. No, right? no, no, not everybody is like that. But I, can everyone kind of have a little bit more confidence yeah, in like one, sure. don't, don't think well, if you say something, as long as it's coming from like the yeah, right place of energy. love, place of energy, like whatever. But I think it's not necessarily like I'm saying for me personally, I know about myself because I have spent the last 10 years working on my businesses and putting myself first. A lot of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that puts me ahead in a lot of circumstances. I saw this quote the other day and it was something along the lines of you're a, when you're in your twenties, you're in your first years of your teens as like your adult teens, if that makes sense. So then like, technically I'm only actually in my second semester of my adult teens. Yeah. So like, you're still mentally, you develop your brain fully at 25. So realistically, I am still a teenager. Yeah, dude, <laughs> um, I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah, you life is so long. People just think that like it ends. Yeah. And I have fam- family friends and friends that have got, you know, they did the right thing and they had the family and they bought the house and, you know, they've got the kids. And I will sit, sometimes look at their lives and go, okay, shit, maybe that's how I should have done things. And I have envy towards that because I look at it and I go, okay, well, I didn't do things like that and I miss those aspects of life. But then when I talk to them, they're like, do you understand how much freedom you have? You get to do what you want when you want because you're childless and you're in your 30s and you know exactly who you are and what you want. Mm-hmm. I envy that. I think no matter what position you are in life, you're always going to have these little little bits of niggles with your ego about, you know, what you missed out on and what you don't have. And it's like what you have is sick and you have to like really work out what you are and how you want to do it. I know that I come across that I very much have known who I am and what I'm about for years. But for me personally, I don't think that I felt that until like the last maybe 12 months. Mm. Like I really started to settle into myself and I had that like, oh fuck, I'm turning 30 meltdown. And I think everybody goes through it, especially women, because we're expected to be caretakers. We expect to be looking after the home. We expect to bear children. Like I constantly get asked, when are you having kids? I don't want to have kids. Mm. I just, I've never wanted to be down that line. And people look down on that. And it's like, well, no, like my business are my children. My dog is my child. Like Chanel is living the high life. I work hard for her. (laughs) Like, But I think, yeah, you just have to be able to go through yourself. You need to work out your own traumas, work out your own triggers. And I think once you start doing those kind of internal works, you kind of work out who you are a lot more and you can find yourself in the world. How real do you have to be with yourself? Oh, you have to be really fucking real. Like I've done some weird ass shit with my therapies and I've not just done seeing a psychologist, not just tried medications, not just, you know, not tried. People think, oh, I just take this pill and it fixes everything. No, you have to be really hard on yourself and work out. Mm -hmm. I've seen energy healers. I've seen spiritual healers. I've seen psychologists. I've, you know, seen it all because I had a lot of shit that happened in my childhood and a lot of people black it out and they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to talk about it. But you carry that around with you and then you bring that into your partner and you bring that onto your kids. And how I was necessarily raised is not how I would raise kids. And I don't want to ever be put in a position to have a child and procreate until I know that I'm good with me. And a lot of people make that mistake. So I think it's more so about not, it's never going to happen, but you just need to learn about yourself. And people don't get given that opportunity because they're working nine to five. Yeah. We have a lot of free time. Not really, but yeah, you have a lot of time to yourself when you work in an entrepreneur. You have a choice, a bit more of a choice. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You have more freedom. You don't have that pressure of like, 
I also have no interest in, in property. Buying property doesn't interest me at all in the slightest. And like I have a house, but I have no interest in it. Like I'm just like, whatever. Um, but when you're working nine to five, you get that, you get that real pressure that that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I think when you're kind of in your own boss mode, you get to decide what the pressures are in your life. Mm -hmm. I think that's the difference in being able to know yourself. I think that's understand those pressures is important. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people would have got a lot of value from that because. I'm a valuable girl, what can I say? So let's, let's go back to, you know, the, the business that you're focusing yeah. on. So yeah. where, what's your vision where, you know, you're very young, 32. Yeah. Where, where do you want to take this? And I know you, like you naturally kind of want to just inspire people and, and women in general. Yeah. That's the reason why you did it. But where do you want to take this business after you've done, you know, finished the rest of the yeah. um, studies? Um, where are you taking? So Injector Bay at the moment, um, my focus with Injector Bay because we're very pink branding and I'm not a pink girl. As you can see, I'm very much beige. So I really wanted to do something again, when I marketed Injector Bay, I marketed it in a way that it was a sellable business. It's Bay, obviously it's very Gen Z orientated because that's just, you know, that's my market audience. That's where I reach. Um, Injector Bay is actually for the girls, the days and the gays. So I really wanted to have like set that safe space for people to come in and feel that they can, 40% of my patients are men and I wanted to have a space that- Gay men? Straight men. Straight men. men every, every Everyone that's identifying as whichever gender they feel like they want to identify as. I just wanted to create a really safe space. We're having my brothers that have uh, bisexual as well. Like we're, we were always raised to be really open-minded and I find that in cosmetic industries, it doesn't really happen that way. And I really wanted to encourage that. That was a that was one of the, my biggest things with opening Injector Bay. So that was in mind. Um, I wanted to take in the fact that I love traveling. So I want to be able to hop around to here, there and everywhere, ideally. I mean, it's all in the Delulu at the moment, but you know, I'm pretty good at bringing the Delulu into the reality. But I want to be able to have Injector Bays globally. That's the whole kind of point of it. So I can hop around. And I actually have quite bad RSI, so I know that I won't be able to inject for a really long time, like for a long-standing career if I was in the clinic every day. My value is in teaching. My background is in teaching. I've been recognized by other injectors that are quite high up in teaching. So I want to bring the techniques that I've learned over the last 10 years to my staff and my clinics, and hopefully that's where it'll go. And I can hop around and just do what I need to do and teach what I need to teach and hopefully iron out some of the shit shows that there are as injectors <laughs> because I have seen some horrible shit over the years <laughs> and I, it's not going to be in my house. Nope. No, ma'am. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. No. Okay, well, I think we're going to end it there because there's been a lot of value here and um, I really like that vision. So I want to give you the limelight for that. So thank you so much, Zira, <laughs> for coming on. You're welcome. And thank you for having me for tequila because, you know, that's my favorite. And I'm not feeling as hungover as I was this morning. So well done, you. So how do you feel? Um, your next, your your bestie who's going to be on the next episode oh next week. Eddie, what do you think? Guys, do you think she's going to like the tequila? She hates tequila, yeah. but but she I spends her. a lot of time with me, and I love tequila. And I think I've got her. Like we have the same birthday, so I feel like I've kind of like forced her into it. Yeah. And um, she's pretty much a second version of me. So. Well, I procured the right tequila for her. So yeah, good luck to you. Hopefully, uh, she her face enjoys is, it. She is not good at 
This would be a like, good episode, though, because she's like, ah. she's, uh, she has not got enough Botox to just have like no facial attraction. <laughs> she will show you exactly how she's feeling. But um, an ex playmate. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> wicked, wicked. <laughs> Jungle is massive. W- wicked. Oh my god, I haven't heard that. So we watched that the other night. Did, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's where I heard it. I was asleep on the couch, to be fair. It was a big night. So before we sum up, okay, how would you rate the tequila now? I I actually really liked it, you know. I think I, like as a whole, love the packaging. I love that it's smooth. Um, I think I want to, yeah. I think Out of 10? I'm thinking eight. Eight? I'm thinking eight. So you went from seven and a half to eight, and now you're yeah, solid eight. I'm sitting on eight. Okay, nice. Sitting on eight. I think it's nicer sipped. Then, like, mixed, I didn't taste it at all, to be fair. But I like a drink strong, so maybe that's just me and my alcohol. I know, you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming. Anytime. And thank you for watching. Uh, So happy that I'm getting to have my friends on these episodes because we get to taste great tequila, talk about their stories. There's going to be plenty more episodes to come. So go like and subscribe. And for now, adios.